Welcome to Up Next. I'm Gabrielle Boucher, millennial author and entrepreneur. Each week, I bring to you next generation leaders and millennial game changers to inspire you to change your world. Let's see what's next. Welcome back to the show, everyone. It's Gabrielle. And this week, we are talking to someone who I've had the chance to hear directly from him right before we started the show. We've just, I don't know, we've been chatting for the last like 40 minutes or so. And uh, it's, this is going to be an incredible show. I'm excited for you guys to jump in on this conversation. And this week, we're talking to Andy Abramson, who is the founder of Verge Ministries. We're going to talk specifically about what Verge does, but I can tell you that Verge is doing so much in the realm of of college-age millennials, people who are just coming out of living with their parents, trying to figure out what they're going to do with their life, what the meaning of life is, asking those really big questions. And I'm excited to have him on the show. So Andy, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. It's so good to to be with you today. So we have had a bunch of different crossing paths of (laughs) living in Northern California to you lived in Portland and that's where I was born. And we've known quite a few uh, people. So it's kind of funny how how things all kind of work out. But the story of Verge is actually really fascinating of, of how you started it and why you started it and what God has done with it. So, so share about why you started Verge Ministries. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the start of Verge Ministries really came out of my time as a collegiate and a young adult of recognizing even the importance of that age group and just being involved. So I was at, in a Bible college as, as a 20 year old and found myself starting a youth ministry for the very first time, having college and young adults around me as my team. And so there was just like this tremendous sense of community that was developed. Well, over my my time as being a youth pastor, um, that just continued to grow in me uh, of just like the, the unique needs and the opportunities really to engage with uh, people who are young adults that are in college or just a little bit post-college. And so in that span was really actively engaged as a youth pastor, but also with college-age young adults. And so that really set the foundation for really something unique that God did. So in my third youth ministry position, I ended up taking a position on staff with my dad in northern Minnesota, which had been a dream of mine. And part of my job description was college age and young adults. And so um, just really dove into that generation and that age group within, inside that church. And we made a decision about nine months into my time there, moving it off campus. And so we're in a small little community in northern Minnesota, only a two-year junior college. So we're not like the mecca of collegiates, right? And, and so... <laughs> Come on, Northern Minnesota. Yeah, Northern Minnesota. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if, yeah, how much we're cutting edge <laughs> in terms of society up here. But the the unique thing that happened was, is so we ended up taking this, this college and young adult ministry offsite out of the church into a downtown concert venue. And literally within nine months, it became a local ministry. And so all of a sudden we had um, young adults from all over the community that were engaging with our ministry. In fact, 
at the height of it, we were, you know, probably engaged in a week with uh, 150 to 175 college and young adults who some of them were driving over an hour each direction to be a part of our ministry a couple times during the week. And so they would come over an hour and, and be involved and drive an hour back. And so we're looking at this space and thinking, man, this is a huge need. And, and we just really began to see the the opportunities that we had in this community. Well, fast forward to January of 2010. Uh, we are we took 65 college students down to Atlanta, Georgia for Passion. And at Passion, God did something just very special in those four days. So I was down there with my wife. Um, she was it was almost like a missions trip though, where I was with the guys, she was with the gals, and we hardly saw each other at all, you know. And and so in that, God was beginning to speak to us individually, and what he was communicating to us was, I want you to do this age group full time. And so I'm having this overwhelming sense in Atlanta of like I'm supposed to do this full time. This is my calling. This is what, and she's having these exact same things that are going on, but we're not talking about it. Well, we ended up rolling back into to Brainerd a few days later. I'm laying in bed one night about one o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, okay, do I start this conversation now or do I wait? And so I'm like, well, let's just jump into it. I've been driving for 16 hours. I'm a little delirious. And so, <laughs> so we, we sit up in bed and I turn to her and say, I think God is calling us to this age group, like this, what we're supposed to do with our lives. And she looks at me and says, he told me the exact same thing. And so that was like this moment of like, okay, so the next day we're sitting down in this breakfast restaurant and we're talking about, okay, what does this mean? Am I going to go into the church leadership, ask them to change my job description? Am I going to, uh, Am I going to move to Minneapolis, which is two and a half hours away because it's a bigger city that could sustain, have opportunities to be a college pastor? Or maybe this is 10 years down the road and we just need to be faithful to uh, move forward in whatever God's timing is. And so we did, committed to do two things. One is we wanted to pray. We asked people specifically to pray for us, but we just began to pray and say, God, open the doors for us. Make this very clear. The second thing we did is we wanted to find out what was happening in college communities around us. So we had understood our context in Brainerd, but maybe it, it was a unique situation because we are only a junior college town. And so my wife ended up uh, committing to calling uh, all the Bible-believing churches she could get a hold of in five different communities. So it was like 320-some different churches. And so we just began to call, and she would ask them, hey, what do you have for college-age young adults? And uh, what we began to hear over and over again was we don't have anything. There's just nothing happening. Or we, we have a small little campus ministry that we support the leader, or we have a small Bible study, or the big church down the road might have something, but we don't. And so this began to like break our hearts of saying, wow, even in college communities, people are struggling with this. The second thing we began to hear was pastors would say, or leaders would say, hey, why are you calling? And so we just would say, you know what, we're, we really believe that we're called to this age group and, and we're trying to figure out what that looks like. And what we began to hear from them was, hey, if you figure out something, would you consider helping our church? Would you consider helping our campus? And so we began to hear this message over and over again. And I think there was, there was a moment, it probably wasn't soon enough, where Jen and I stepped back, my wife, and we're like, I think God's up to something different. I think what we're supposed to do is not just be engaged with college-age young adults in our community, but maybe we can be a resource to some of these other 
communities that are an hour away or two hours away where we can hop in a car and train their leaders and equip their young adults and help them with strategy and vision. And so passion was, was January 1st of 2010. By June 1st of 2010, we had made a decision that we were going to step outside the local church and start this organization to be a part of helping campuses and, and churches engage with college-age young adults. And so what we thought, though, was that was just going to be a Minnesota thing. And so we began to hop in our car and go to this town down the road or this city here and work with these different with these different leaders some of them volunteers some of them were youth pastors some of them um, were young adults themselves and we just began to help them put strategy and vision to in place for their ministry well this begins to happen and about a year year and a half into this all of a sudden it just blows up and we have people contacting us from all over the country and all of a sudden, we're, getting, we're a church in Las Vegas, and we heard about you guys, or, hey, we're a church in Memphis, Tennessee, and we found you guys on Instagram or Twitter, and would you consider helping our church too? And we're like, whoa, what's going on here? And we realized in that moment, really the realization for us was this was not a Brainerd, Minnesota issue. This was not a Minnesota issue. This was not a regional issue. This issue with the lack of engagement with college-age young adults was a national issue. What we've learned even more is it's not even just a national issue. This is actually an international issue. As we've even had people contact us from, from India and from Africa and from Brazil of saying, hey, this is a huge need for us as well. And so we just believe that we have an incredible opportunity before us to help work alongside leaders and churches as they want to reach college young adult millennials. That's incredible. So one of the things that we love to highlight here on Up Next is is the stories of stepping out of of what that looks like when you jump and you don't know if there's anything underneath you. Take us back to that moment when you and your wife launched Verge Ministries. What were you thinking? What were you feeling? Were you like, this is insane? What's going on? Did we make a terrible mistake? <laughs> so one of the things I always tell people is I, I have friends who are on the mission field. And uh, we would uh, they would come back for, for visits to different churches and supporters. And they would always schedule the talk with me, right? And, and the talk was, is they were going to try to recruit me to go on the mission field. And, uh, and so we'd sit down at dinner and say, Hey, come and join our organization. And I would say to them every time, I just am not going to raise support. Uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to become a missionary to raise support. And funny thing is, is, uh, God in his sense of humor, um, in, you know, January, February, March of 2010, he said, Oh yeah, you're going to start an organization. And because we want this to be able to be offered to people at minimal to no cost. How you're going to do that is you're going to raise support as a missionary. And I'm just like, no, you know, like this. No, it can't be. Well, so that's going on. Then um, just after we decide to step out to start this organization, we found out that we had our number five kid on the way. So we had four, four girls and our fifth child was on the way. And it was this almost this moment where God was asking us the question of, do you trust me? Like you're stepping out, you're becoming a missionary, you're going to start this organization, you don't know what you're doing, but do you trust me? And I just remember like the, man, there were moments of like, 
because I think about like some of the things I did when I was 20 and 21 and 22 years old, um, I, you know, there's huge risks that I made in some capacity, but there's something unique about when you have a family that's depending on you yeah, of course. and, uh, children, so much more than just, than just there's you. so like, much more at stake. I can eat top ramen and you're like, yes. maybe not when I have five kids. Yeah. And so I remember these moments of like fear that would come over me of like, are you sure God? Like, are you sure you really want me to do this? And, and so there was, yeah, there was those moments, but man, he has just been so faithful along the way to reconfirm that and, and to provide for us. I mean, if I told people what I made my first couple of years with five kids, people's minds would be blown. Um, but, but God provided and, and he just did some incredible things in those days. And he's not ever threatened or, or concerned when you ask those big questions, For sure, which, for sure. which is great because I've definitely asked those questions myself. I'm like, please don't smite me. Right. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, but totally. he's, he can totally handle it. So I, I want to talk to you specifically about uh, millennials in America today and their faith. And I get asked all the time and I get to speak at, at conferences about millennials and the church and, and politics and, and what the future looks like. But you're in it. You're in the trenches. So what would you say is unique about what millennials are looking for when it comes to their yeah. faith? So there's there's a couple things. Is is one is you know, one of the things that we really try to set the foundation for these churches and leaders we're working with is, is that, man, this is such a crucial moment in their lives. Like sometimes what I'll do is I'll be sitting with pastors and leaders and I'll, uh, and I'll say, think about when you were 20 and 21 and 22 years old. Think about the, the decisions that you made that you're either benefiting from right now or you're still reeling from because you made poor decisions. And you look at that and say, yeah, like that, those were critical decisions. You think about the form, you know, the formation of faith, um, of values, of career, like all those things are happening in those moments. And so one of the things that we have to set the foundation with is saying, this is an important, important time of life to be engaging. But here's the thing. It, it's crazy because a lot of people will come to us and say, what's the secret? Like what's, you know, give us, give us what type of ministry do we have and what things need to be in place in order for us to do this. And what we tell them is this is not rocket science. Like this is really like ministry 101 in building relationships with millennials and young adults. And some of the things that we talk about is, is that they're, they want relationships. And so to offer them a program or to offer them some stale form of faith outside of community, outside of relationship is giving them something that is uh, that of what they're not desiring. I mean, they're desiring these relationships and, and, and to be engaged. And so we talk about how do you create community engagement and relationships? And the other thing is, is they, they have passions and a unique perspective that needs to be heard in the local church. Um, one of the things we encourage church leaders is how do you get millennials to speak into your church, your systems, your structures that will actually help create a level of buy-in to the mission and the vision that God has called you to do 
because you're not just servicing them on the side, but you're engaging in in relationship with them. And one of the other things that we really talk to churches and leaders about is the difference between like uh, task and ownership. Like how do you create spaces for millennials and young adults to take ownership? Because here's the deal is when a, when a, a young adult and millennial is passionate about something, there's nothing better to watch. I mean, there is just nothing that will fire you up more than that young adult being fully engaged in what's happening and taking ownership in ways that is benefiting um, the the life of the body, the life of the local church. One of the things we always talk about is that, um, you know, a lot of times what you hear from, from local pastors is, well, college students, millennials, they need to be in the church. You know, they need the church. They need the church. And you hear about this. And I remember back in 2010, one of the big shifts for us was, you know what? Yeah, that's true. But the church needs millennials. Like they, they provide. And so Paul talks about this in the scripture, that if there's a part of the body that is missing or suffering, the entire body suffers. And so you look at when these churches who don't have millennials, college age, young adults engaged in the life of their church, the whole body is actually suffering because of that. There's something unique that a young adult brings to the life of the body that only a millennial or young adult can bring. They, they have energy, they have spontaneity, they have creativity, they have passion that gets infused into the rest of the body, into the rest of the church, that when that is missing by them not being engaged, the rest of the body and suffers. It, everything you're talking about from community to, to ownership to involvement isn't a completely millennial thing. It's it, it's a human thing, right? Totally. I mean, I, I don't know anyone who's like, I want to go to church and know yeah, no yeah. one and, you know, actually be shunned by more people, right? That's, that's not something that we're, we're looking for. I think what's unique about millennials, my generation, is that we will actually demand it. And if we don't have either access to leadership or, or ownership over, over change within any organization, particularly the church, then we're going to walk away and we're going to take our friends with us. So what would you say for uh, a church who is having a hard time attracting millennials to that church? What are the two or three things that a church can start doing right now to get more millennials involved? Yeah. You know, I think, you know, some of it is we go back to the community piece, right? I, I really, and I've seen this hundreds of times where we'll have a pastor come to us and say, well, you know, what do we need to do? Do we need to, do I need to wear skinny jeans or do I need to like, do we need to turn the sound system up or do we need to change our style of worship? And what I tell them, more fog, more fog in the the church. (laughs) What I tell them is you'll be surprised what a millennial will overlook of preference for relationship that they will actually say, okay, the, the, the worship may not be, the style of my preference, right? Or the speaker may not be as engaging as I would want, but the value of the relationship is so important. And, I, and here's here's in that what I would also uh, what I also encourage is is I think in a lot of ways the church has defaulted to a come to us mentality, 
right? And so we'll create a structure, we'll create a program, we'll create something in hopes of getting a millennial to come into our four walls and engage. And really, we need to, to, to shift everything upside down and say, it is not about them coming to us, but we're going to go engage with them. And so I encourage a lot of our leaders of saying, how are you building relationships with millennials outside the church? Like the Starbucks barista, you know, like, do you know her name? Have you asked her, you know, what, what's going on in her life? The waitress that you, you know, that, that you are at a cafe twice, uh, twice a week. Do you, do you know who she is? Do you, and so to, to be about engaging in those relationships and not to be about just to come to us, but how are we going to be sending and being strategic? And, and, and so even in a lot of ways is to identify there are people who are passionate about millennials. They just don't have tracks to run on. They don't, they don't know what to do. They're saying, and some of them could be parents who have college kids who are off someplace else of saying, this generation is on my heart. How do I engage with them? It's like, what do I do? And so how do we as a church give them some of those tools of ownership of saying, even some of the things we talk about in, with the different churches we're working with is how do you just, how do you love every millennial that walks through your door? You know, like, how do you? My wife always tells them, you want to know a best way to a young adult to, to reach them is invite them over for dinner, wash their clothes, like in, engage in that relationship in a, in a way of saying, I care about you. And so, you know, a lot of it is, is like, well, have churches that'll come to us and say, you know, what's the formula? Like, what's the, what's the, what's the ABCs of oh, yeah. young adults? Like, give me a checklist, like, a checklist right? <laughs> so I can do all these things on the checklist and then um, it'll somehow transform into having like a, a, a killer college and young adult ministry. But a lot of things what we say is that, yes, there are some, like even you talked about is there these, even some of these needs are not just millennials. You talk about community and ownership and buy-in, like that's my generation as a Gen Xer too, right? So we want to be a part of that. But but what are the unique contexts in which they're living from that can speak into what you want to do? One of the things I encourage church pastors to do as well is man, create some spaces where you're mentoring a millennial leader and give them access into your life and into the life of the church. Invite them to a board meeting. Invite them to your staff meeting. Invite them to, hey, we want to hear your guys' perspective on this as we're trying to initiate this campaign or this movement or this thing here of, of speaking in. So a lot of ways, it is not rocket science, but it's taking those intentional steps to be proactive and in, initiate those relationships. And for us, one of the things we always say, is biblically, it's always like you can read throughout scripture. It's always the, it's always the responsibility of the more mature to initiate in relationship. And so it's interesting. It's interesting though. We have both sides of it, right? And so we say church, you might be the more mature one in this. And so it's your job to initiate, you know, relationship. Sometimes, though, we actually go to millennials and say, you know what, you're the more mature one in this, and now it's your responsibility to engage in relationship. And so it's not just, it's not an age thing, 
it's like a spiritual maturity thing. And sometimes that's the church and church leadership. But honestly, we've gotten in some circumstances where really the millennial, the young adult has been the more mature one. And so we put the onus on them to be the one who engages in relationship and to to invest and, and to go after those. So if someone wants to learn more about what you're doing or get involved, how would they contact you? Yeah, there's, a, there's a couple of ways. And so, you know, we're on, obviously we have a website and so it's verge28.org. Um, 28 is for the Great Commission. So that'll help you maybe remember that a little bit. Um, also, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, usually just at Verge Ministries and you'll, you can hunt us down there. Oh yeah. Well, we have reached the end of our interview here, but I think Andy, you were able to give a much needed and a very fresh perspective to how uh, faith leaders today can, can reach the millennial generation, particularly those who are in college And uh, I think we can both agree that this is not a generation that can be written off, uh, but it's a generation that cherishes relationships, is looking for community, and is truly searching for truth. So I'm so excited about the work that you and Verge Ministries are doing, and we look forward to sticking with you guys and seeing what God is doing through you and with you in the future. 